May 31, 2021, it's the Waffle Pino Show. Thank you. 
Pedro show. Happy Monday, last day of May. Then came the, that's why I played this Blue Oyster Cult. Or we'll play it in a little bit. But Excellent. we start off the show with John Coltrane. You say you care. Then dues from Adam H. Uh, Brother Matt at the Love Grotto, a couple miles south here. Quick quarantino mode still. But everybody's getting vaccinated up. I think nine more days for me for second one. Moderna. Uh, I'm not totally man alone because of those uh, Skype engineers in Estonia. <laughs> I got Adam Hawker. Welcome aboard, Adam. Thank you, Watt. You're talking to me from to Brooklyn, right? Talking to you from Brooklyn, indeed. What neighborhood? I'm in Carroll Gardens right now. Yeah, who was... Somebody's talking to me there a couple days ago. Yeah, David, yeah. yeah. Uh, guitar man David First, I think. Okay, okay. How are things out in Pedro? Uh, well, I'm doing a show right now, talking to this guy in Brooklyn. <laughs> Please bring your uh, earliest musical recollection. Earliest musical recollection. Um, I would say Rolling Stones. Uh, my parents had a bunch of vinyls. They listened to them a whole lot. And uh, they had the, the Hot Rocks. Uh, compilation and so I remember uh, Sympathy for the Devil um, uh, 
uh, that that song really blew my mind when I was a little kid. Um, so I listened to a lot of the the classic Zeppelin, Stones, that kind of stuff. Um, Marianne Faithful. Pretty, pretty. Go ahead. Marianne Faithful. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I only I I didn't know that name, but I definitely knew that track. And I remember I thought it was really beautiful. No, I really I guess I would it say was it was a girlfriend. That, that. Marianne Faithful was girlfriend Mick Jagger, and supposedly yeah. she gave him as tears go by. No. That was a song he helped write for her, but yeah. if you let me finish, I'll tell you. Sympathy for Devil came from a book that she gave him by Misha Bolgakov called Master Margarita. Amazing. Yeah. I did not know that. Well, that's why I wanted uh -huh. you on the show so you could learn that. So <laughs> your earliest musical memories is hearing your parents' record collection. Now, were they just listeners or did they play too? They were casual listeners, uh, but they did they did have some some pretty good records. Uh, and so I, I spent, you know, my, my earliest kind of musical exposure was just kind of going through their collection because uh, I grew up in southern Indiana uh, and it was pretty boring there. Uh, and so uh, the only thing I could I could really do was just sort of, you know, put me in the position, you know, being bored is a good thing because uh, you know, you have to seek out ways to just sort of entertain yourself. And um, well, let me ask you this: Was there yeah. any musical instruments in the pad you grew up? There was a piano, and so I spent a lot of time playing the piano. Uh, and one of the great things that that I I did growing up was I did have like piano lessons. And so uh, how'd so that go? How? Because you know, a lot of people have been guests on the show. It was horrible experience. How was it for you? You know, it was actually positive because uh, because I actually had a, a pretty far out. Uh, it's the teacher, teacher right? It, that's usually exactly. the that's usually the thing. If they ain't good at it, it usually is a shitty experience. It seems to be. It is, and, and honestly, it was just this old woman who lived next door to me, and she showed me all sorts of stuff. Uh, you know, it's like well, well, basic. let me ask you this, Adam: yeah. What made her a good teacher? Uh, she was a mixture of, uh, she was loving, but hard at the same time. Uh, so she, she would, she would really encourage me when I did well, but man, if I didn't practice, I was scared. <laughs> uh, did you so learn to read? Was, excuse me? Did you learn to read? I learned how to read the music. I learned a lot of basic theory, which sadly I, I've, uh, I think I've pretty much forgotten a lot of the theory, but, but I learned how to, how to follow music pretty carefully. Now, what about school? Um, what about at grade school? Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? No, never, never. It was, well, it was I wasn't a, there. I got to ask you, Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, no, I, I, I really kind of kept the piano just to my own sort of space. Uh, and I played a lot, though, because, again, I was in Indiana and I was really bored. Well, let me uh, ask you so, this. Yeah. Playing the piano a lot. What about the material? Are you writing your own? Or uh, is she teaching you songs? She taught you how to read so you can read manuscripts. Or are you composing yourself? We're talking, you're a boy, right? Yeah, I'm a boy. I'm okay. like six years old. Yeah. Uh, and so so I didn't, you know, she showed me all this uh, just basic, uh, you know, your, your standard classics. But she also really actively encouraged me to like listen to things, anything. I could bring anything to her. And she would kind of help me out with it. I remember I brought her like a Cat Stevens song that I really loved when I was little. And she actually like taught me how to play it, uh, even though she had no idea really who Cat Stevens was. Um, but um, 
but no, it's so, so I just, uh, I learned a lot of things and then I actually started writing my own stuff. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to ask you. Were you, did you start composing? Can you remember the first song you wrote? Uh, yeah, I wrote a waltz. Uh, I was, I was 11 years old. Um, I don't think I gave it a name, but, but I, I, I worked on that. And then, uh, I wrote some pretty, just kind of, I don't know, odd time signature sort of stuff like waltzes and like they sounded very much like classical music um and then i guess well, as waltz, i started to get waltz is three four times that's used in country yeah. too yeah Actually, I know. jazz I know. also is the six eight thing a little yeah. later on so but all this stuff is just you and your teacher you're not really playing you know the thing uh not after school i graduate but in the afternoon yeah, the bedroom band, the basement band, the garage band. You don't do that with your classmates, your buddies. Not yet, not yet. But once I hit high school, that's that's when uh, that's when that hit. So oh, I so you I, jump I, off the piano and you what? You get on the guitar. Uh, uh bass to start. Yeah, okay. and then also then bass, also that's my, interesting. Uh, that's interesting. Why yeah. why the bass? Why why did you make well, the move from now? The piano's already got some bass going, right? The left hand. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happened was uh, there were some there were some some kids uh, in high school and uh, they started this punk band. And I was kind of this, you know, because I, I, I went to high school actually in Louisville, uh, which is not too far away from where I grew up. Uh, but enough of a drive for me to not be able to go there just all the time. But I would go there for school. And because, you know, Louisville, it's a pretty tight knit community. Like unless you're from there, you can't get into it. Uh, so I was kind of an outsider. I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. And then for some reason, these kids who who started this punk band, they asked if I played bass. And I said I did, but I didn't. <laughs> and so I showed up to practice without a bass and uh and they, they, I asked if they had one, and they said they did. And then I uh, just sort of played along as best as I could because I'd had a guitar at home as well uh, that that my uncle had sort of left behind. That's another story. My uncle was also a musician who sort of came into my life in middle school and high school. And um, so I sort of had learned the bass elements of like acoustic guitar. And luckily, the other kids were terrible musicians as well. And or so, just starting, learning. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so we, uh, they let me in, even though I had no idea how to play the bass. Uh, and then uh, I promised them after the first practice that I'd practice a lot and teach myself, and I did. Uh, and so we had this band in high school. And what, I, uh, what, do you have a Yos- name? Yeah, it was Yosarian. Um, after yeah. Catch Twenty Two, right, yeah. right, the bombardier. Yeah, but they keep exactly. asking for it. He keeps saying, "I'm the bombardier." Exactly. Right. And my so- mother, I, I tell you, there's Blue Oyster Cult connect because there's something on a sticker on their second album that they, hey, this is black humor and shit. And, you know, I was a young teenager, and I asked my mother, "What is black humor?" She said, "Michael Watt, you read Catch Twenty Two, Joe Heller." <laughs> That's true, man. That book, that book's killer. It's funny, like, where it's so funny, it ain't funny. <laughs> oh, I know. It was actually the first. It was the first. Uh, you know, my parents. You know, in, in retrospect, they were pretty far out. I mean, they gave me um, 
they gave me Catch-22 and Hunter S. Thompson, I remember, because Hunter S. Thompson was from Louisville originally. Um, and, uh, and so... Uh, so was, uh, you know who else? Uh, Muhammad Ali. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, so the, the punk band, though, in, in high school, that really, that really changed a lot, because those kids I was playing with who, were, who became, like, really good friends, um, they were into all sorts of things. And I remember there was, like, a lot, like, many, many, many people have had. I remember they, uh, they gave me a copy of White Light, White Heat when I was, like, 15 or Velvet 16. Velvet Underground. And that that just cracked open my mind. I remember that record really altered a lot of Second just uh, yeah. And uh, and then I then I became just a, a VU fanatic. And then got into and thanks to that band, I, you know, then my mind. I mean, I just went everywhere. I was listening to you know free jazz and uh, yeah. I got into Coltrane. I got into Ornette Coleman. I got into all sorts of people and. Um, and then just kind of walk down that rabbit hole that the VU sort of is, you know, the ultimate gateway for. Um, but yeah, so I'd say, you know, the picking up the bass and then also, like I mentioned, my uncle, who's kind of a, a excellent folk musician uh, who almost made it, uh, never quite cracked it, but got to play with some amazing people like Bert Yanch and... Uh, uh, Richard Thompson, you know, people like that. Um, he, uh, he started to send me records, uh, just in the mail, uh, cause he knew I was playing. And so I remember he, he gave me a John Fahey record when I was 15, the death chance breakdowns and military waltzes. Yep. Uh, that record also in, in conjunction with the white light, white heat record, those two records side by side. I mean, they, they just, altered my mind forever um, john cale john you know vintage violence his solo yeah. records he he kind of did an acoustic thing he did also a uh, lot of electric guitar stuff with chris bed look i want to play a sarah band do it please
Now and then a truck And I hadn't seen a cop around all day They brought everything they needed Bags and scales to weigh the snow The driver said the board is just over the bluff
Take a grip from above, below the heart will break, give way to where hate replaced love.
for Pedro Show. That chunk of music start off. Adam H. doing Sarah Band. Then Blue Oyster Coat with Then Came the Last Days of May. I mean, it's the last day of May. <laughs> well, actually, it's about a dope deal that went bad. <laughs> it's, not, it's legal in Cali. Now. <laughs> New York, too, from where they are. Yeah. Okay, S-L-W-C-C Watt. After that, Fuck Your Guitar. That's a collab I did with Sam Lock Ward in Iowa City. The Myriad Ones, Bob Buckle Jr. from nearby Dubuque. Moonfight out of Ithaca, upstate New York. Toy Mango with Just a Matter of Time. Done Deal. Actually from Pedro here. Mike Ortiz, Small Time. From Dublin, Ireland, Deep in the Woods featured Cap Moonlight and Rogue Spore with Tormented, and finally Adam H. with Solidesia. Okay, so big influence on your uncle. I mean, he's not really sending you bass guitar stuff, but you're playing bass guitar with Yosarian. What was the first Yosarian gig like? Uh, first one. Oh man, we played at this. Uh, we played at this. You know, Louisville's a big. It's a big punk town. Uh, there's there's a lot of hardcore music comes out of there, and it's a really tight knit. Uh, you know, hardcore community. Uh, and so there was Bardstown Road. Bardstown Road. It's all along you the know, river. I played Stooligans many times. I've done three or four derby days where you have to play at two three in the morning because dudes <laughs> are getting fucked up on the mint jewel. But but um, and there's also some good. Uh, old uh, vintage guitar and amp stores in the old days. Maybe not anymore with the internet. Yeah. No. It, so, the, so the Bardstown Road. Well, tell me about this gig. So we played we played a place called Pandemonium on Bardstown Road, as you just mentioned. And uh, this place, Pandemonium, it was just kind of a dive. But for some reason, you know, whoever whoever was booking there, they would sometimes, you know, draw some, some sizable names. I remember like a week after we played, like Black Heart Procession played there. And I was kind of uh, somewhat uh, amazed that they had booked us and then we're actually booking a real band <laughs> like a week after well, what, we played. Uh, you got to tell me, Adam, how the gig yeah. go? Was it a success? Did they throw shit? What happened? They didn't, they didn't throw shit. Actually, okay. actually, the, 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 the really, the really uh, surprising commentary that I got from somebody was, that was really not as bad as I was expecting it to be. <laughs> now, you guys, you weren't the songwriter since you're probably the last guy who joined, right? No, no. So uh, the guy, the guy who started the group uh, was a was a friend of mine, uh, and John, John Ashley, and uh, and so he he was he was uh, writing most of the songs with another close friend of mine named Nadim, and uh, and so we we uh, they sort of put it all together and I was just kind of there. I was, you know, kind of absorbing it. It was my first real group project. Right, but, right. How long did you do that before you heading out on your own? The well, Adam, the Adam H experience. So the Adam H experience, it was a long road, man. Uh, so I, I went to college and I didn't, I sort of, I got so sucked into college that I just didn't, I still listened to tons of music and I was a DJ at the at the radio station and all that and i was still playing all the time so i guess i was just like i don't know figuring out what kind of music i wanted to make then um but i didn't really connect with other musicians when i was at college because it was this really intense sort of scholarly experience uh university of chicago 
And so, like, I was playing there, and I just play in my room all the time and listen to records all the time and then go and do my radio show all the time. Are you talking uh, uh, Champaign-Urbana? No, this is in Southside, Chicago. Oh, okay, uh, okay. And Because uh, I just talked so, to a guy last week from Champaign. And, yeah, you know, that's, that's the, the fight high. in the and that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and so, but the thing that the thing that the university had, because this was this was early two thousands, was they had this. The record library was incredible, uh, and so I think I spent all my time just because I was, you know, DJing. I could get all the records, and so I just remember just listening because this was, you know, pre-streaming, uh, and so it was like I'd hit the holy grail. Um, and since I have still have my scavenger Southern Indiana instinct of just absorb as much media in all forms as possible at all times. I just devoured this record, you know, this multi thousand vinyl collection. Um, so, I mean, the bands that I really got into then was like the fall and like all the post-punk stuff. And, uh, and again, but still really, but you're, uh, not you know, playing, this... you're not playing with other guys at college doing songs. No, yeah, Cause no actually page. what happened then was my, my uncle, uh, he, he mailed me a guitar and this thing changed my life. So he, so what he did was he, he found this guitar. He was living in San Francisco and, uh, he's where he still lives now. And, and he was driving down like, I don't know, 24th street, something like that there. And, and he, uh, he saw a guitar and two pieces on the street and he stopped and he picked it up and it was a Gibson. Uh, and he was looked at it and he was like, this is a really nice guitar. It's unfortunately in two pieces. Um, but he, he knew a luthier, uh, who's a, a great one named Alan Perlman, who's still, he makes beautiful guitars. Um, and, uh, and so he went to see his buddy, Alan Perlman. He was just like, I don't know this, if you can put this together. Uh, I don't know if it's, a, it's a nice guitar. It's still got life in it. And, um, and so Perlman spent just some free hours putting it together and he actually uh, he put it together using a fallen uh, California redwood tree. So he put he kind of you know reformed. what the real name is? They're called sequoias, and it's probably the oldest living organism on the planet. I did not know that. Yeah, people uh, termites don't like them, so they make fucking houses out of them. But yeah. amazing. Well, that's why the guitar has lasted so long, then because. <laughs> This guitar, I got this thing, and uh, and so he, they put it together. Perlman had sort of redone everything, and uh, and then they were like, "What do we do with it?" And then my uncle was like, "We'll send it to Adam." And so I, I got this guitar in the mail out of nowhere. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, Sandy Perlman was the manager of the Blue Oyster Cult. A lot of connections you have. We're at the end of the first hour. Last okay. day of May, May thirty-one, twenty twenty-one. Dish Watt Pedro Show. Special guest, Adam Hawker. Hold tight for hour two. 31st, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Jim Crow's for hire to keep on hanging John Brown. The ferry will happen. The signal was sharpen. The transmitter made out of skin. And yet up the dapper blood that you offer is so. Sometimes despise them, but in truth they understand a small performance. Take your time, stop wanting, stop needing. Let me carry you.
Sleeping in Bar Hero Shot of Gin His guns are drawn For the flight A close escape An open house Down by the lake Found a deal The price is right The end Inside
Watch for Pedro show. Start off the second hour with Adam H. Abolition Rag. Ben Salter out of Tasmania with Hurt after that. Then Lucas Abella from Sydney with BMW. Fucking mind blow. <laughs> Albert <laughs> DeMuth after that. I think for Black Black Heart Procession, they're San Diego, right? I think Albert DeMuth yep. is down there. San Diego, right. yeah. Adam, once I think I shared a stage with him at the Casbah. Adam H. <laughs> finally with Orion, which everybody knows is the archer in the sky with the three stars that make up the belt that align with the three great periods of Giza. Okay, so you get this guitar in the mail, and you're and, still at college, right? Yeah, I'm still in college, yeah. Uh, and this guitar, you know, I, I, uh, it was, it's a magical thing, this guitar. I, it's, the, it's the instrument that, that I still play primarily today. Uh, and that guitar has been with me through everything. Uh, and so it's uh, been a, you know, kind of, my 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 closest ally throughout everything uh, and so this guitar you know i started just playing it all the time uh as you know guitar freaks do um and then uh but then my uncle started you know send, he kept sending me records you know so he'd send me these you know bert yanch and robbie basho morfehi you know uh, peter lang all sorts of stuff uh, and, and I tried, I was trying to learn from the, and then, uh, that was when he started telling me about open tunings. And this was another thing that completely just blew my mind, the open tuning. Um, and he, uh, he guided me through some initial open tunings, you know, like dad, gad and, you know, the open G stuff like that. And then, um, you know, a lot of those like Keith Richards use, they came from actual banjo. Incredible. Yeah. Right. Right. Cooter, I think turned. Uh, key fond of that but anyway this starts because you're writing songs but because of you uh, changing the tunings is different way to compose well so i wasn't even composing then really i was still learning i was just i was putting myself through this kind of crazy you mean you're, self... you're, you're learning other people's songs with the weird tunings uh, I, i'm learning i'm learning old blues stuff you yeah. know that's it, like skip james songs sure. you know and the op the open D minor, you know, sure. the really crazy tunings. Yeah. So, so anytime I'd hear a piece and I didn't know, I didn't know how to play it because the tuning was crazy. Uh, I would, I would ask my uncle or, or ask, you know, someone connected to him and they would be like, Oh, you have to tune your guitar like this. And so I would get this crazy new tuning and then I'd spend like a month just sort of learning it and deconstructing my guitar and rebuilding it around that tuning. And then I would learn, I was learning finger picking and I was learning, um, you know, all sorts of just unusual ways of just playing it. Um, cause I was never into like the guitar heroics. I was more into like the fact that this simple like box of wood with just six strings on it could suddenly change form and color if you just tune the tuners in a different way. And so just the fact that the, this, this, this basic organic object, could suddenly become an entirely different instrument within like two minutes of tuning work. This just blew my mind. I just ran with it. I was just learning every tuning. Uh, it's the first time I, you know, heard of like, for instance, like Lynn Bronca and like uh, people, people who were just anybody. Well, you know, Glenn, playing. he had his guys actually like put all B strings on and shit. I mean, it was well, more than just tuning. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I, I played with Bronca and his orchestra one time. Yeah, and, I did too. Uh, I did yeah. the thirteenth. 
Symphony yeah. uh, Hallucination City. Yeah. And, was, uh, well, there was 20, 19 other bassists and 64 ah. other guitars. One, one drummer. But it, but uh, I got to play regular strings, but the guitar guys were like rock and B strings. Yeah, it's crazy. Mine mine was I played the 16th in Paris, and uh, it was all all high E strings. Uh, yeah. But yeah. but no no, it was B strings tuned up to E all yeah, along yeah. every string. So they're good and tight to slice up your fucking fingers. Exactly. Groups of five. So, yeah. but 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 the big difference. He's rocking the electric guitar, and it sounds like what you're doing is acoustic stuff. Oh yeah. So I, I the thing is as well, which I've never. I mean, been music able to, is not, music. I'm not against it. Oh yeah. no, no, no. Because I so so the thing is, like I I uh, you know I, of course I picked up an electric at some point. You know, it's just like is you know once you get into the guitars, you know, it's like a fly. Well, track. well, your uncle probably. Then, I bet your uncle bummed a little bit. He probably wanted you to keep on the acoustic. I, and, and the thing is, is even when I was, you know, switching to electric and playing around with it, I, it never felt as, you know, like it wasn't my space. You know, the acoustic, I can't describe it. Uh, no, but I noticed I, I, he wasn't sending you records of Jimmy and shit. <laughs> no, no, it was all, it was, it was all uh, really. Yeah, Faye and beautiful. Yeah. I mean, music's all music. The, I'm not trying to say one's better than the other. Adam, no. I want to play Obsidian. Do it. Obsidian, I have been. Oblivion gave me a try And all the words have been encrypted To hide the meaning wherein lies And are you tired of the pretty pleasantries The drag out of your
Pedro Show started that chunk off with Adam H. doing Obsidian. Then Heinbach with Ring the Bell. Trapper Shoop after that brand new May Day, even though it's the last of May. 
Should have played it four weeks ago. <laughs> Blood Quartet, brand new out of uh, Barcelona. This is, uh, speaking of Glenn Branca and the No Wave scene, they, a cat from Mars is in this band. He moved to Catalonia a long time ago. and That's uh, Mark Cunningham. That, yeah, you know Blood Quartet, great fucking man. Yeah, I, I, he, I, I saw him in Barcelona. We had, we had a drink one time. He's a really cool guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and his band is, he's playing with Catalans, and uh, they, they're just smoking cats. And this is brand new. And then finally, Adam H with Shrill. Now, yeah. okay, you're out of college. You got an electric yeah. guitar. Yeah. What What happens to you, music? Do you put together an Adam H band? I start I start a post punk band called Scary Living, which I didn't really like in the end. <laughs> uh, Who, whose fault? I, whose fault? It was my my fault. Okay, I, I okay. Like, I just wanted I, to hear that. Adam. <laughs> it was my it was it was my bad, but I had That's to do okay. it. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. I, 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 you learn you learn by uh, by doing right by living. I did it. I did it, and so I, it was it was something because that was that was when I went with the electric for a while, which was a mistake, uh, and. I, really? I, 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 it was a mistake. It was. Why? It was. It was a mistake. Uh, I started. I don't. I. I started writing. You know, different. I started writing differently, and I. I wrote. I wrote some songs. Uh, I played a lot. I, I. I. There was a great circle of of bands that I was playing in. I loved their music. Now I had a great time playing, of course. But then, I just felt really ill at ease uh, playing that kind of music. This really intense. You know. Um, uh, dark, uh, but very classically like 1979, 1980 kind of vibe music. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I felt, uh, I felt like a poser sort of, I guess. I felt like I was not being honest with myself. And so I started, you know, we recorded some, it didn't really go anywhere. Uh, and then I started just gravitating back to the acoustic and just sort of that's that's when kind of Adam H just sort of kicked in. I started writing all of a sudden all these songs, um, just dozens of songs. Um, and I, it was just like, I don't know, the faucet got turned on and I started writing all the time. And so I couldn't really stop writing these songs. Um, now, were these songs, they, these weren't for an ensemble like with the with the electric, right? This is more man no, alone, man alone, right? No. And so, and then the band, then the band completely fell apart, uh, made some enemies, uh, all is good now, but, uh, but yeah, I got called some names. Uh, and then, uh, and then, wow, uh, that's not too cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then, and, but, but, but I knew, I don't know. I just knew I had to keep, I had to, I had to do some, I had to keep following what I was doing on the acoustic and, yeah, sure, sure. and then, and then that was Adam H that was like 26 years old. Uh, I started just writing all the time uh, and it was like all the music I'd been listening to suddenly started to like, it was like all of these bizarre seeds had been planted in my brain and then they started to finally like germinate. It's like the uh, seventeen year cicada. Exactly, that's me. I'm a cicada. What? Right, but you they know? call it Brood X. These guys have been yeah. in the fucking ground seventeen years. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. they got them in uh, Japan. This is about ten years ago. I was in Tokyo in the summertime, and I thought there was construction next door. These motherfuckers <laughs> were so loud. It was like circular <laughs> saws and fucking <laughs> saws. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, and May twenty, right. May thirty first, twenty twenty. 21 dish what pedo show special guest adam hawker hold tight for hour three 
May 31, 2021. It's the third hour of the Lock for Pedro Show.
want for Pedro Show, we start off the third hour with Adam H. doing Turn of Phrase. Got some weird noises over there. Mamas Prendon yeah. after that, Animus Maximus. And then Adam H. with Ithaca. Yeah, that's where uh, fucking Toy Mango is from. Cornell, right? Uh, college. I said Chicago, Chicago. Cornell? Chicago. Ithaca. Uh, Ithaca, yeah. That's a, that's Cornell, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, remember Carl Sagan? Billions upon billions. <laughs> he was a famous physicist there. I got to play with meat puppets there about four Amazing. years ago. Now, uh, on with your story. Okay, so Adam H. You start doing gigs. Man Alone is Adam H. with all the buttload of songs you just wrote. Yes, I did. And I also I also moved to Paris. Um, and so I was, I'd been in New York before then. Uh, that, was, that was when I was playing that post-punk group. Um, and so I moved to Paris, uh, you know, I met my wife and we, we ended up over in Paris. And then uh, thanks to a, a mutual friend, because, you know, I've been in New York for years, kind of circulating around playing shows. Uh, I met uh, a, a friend of mine named Kid Millions, who's a drummer. Uh, he plays with a bunch of bands. Oneida is his most famous one, but he also plays with Man Forever. And uh, so Kid, Kid Millions told me that when I, when I moved to Paris, I had to I had to meet somebody named Reese Chatham, who lived in, in Paris. Ah, there's, and, you know what? He was in a parallel universe to Glenn Branca. Exactly. They didn't was. know, though. Thurston told me they didn't know about each other at first. No. And, and so I met Reese, and Reese... Uh, he was just like, so you're the guitarist that kids sent. Uh, I was like, yeah. And he was like, I've got a, I've got a gig next month at Palais de Tokyo, which is like MoMA or something like that. Uh, and he was like, do you want to play? So I was, I was like, sure. And so, uh, so I got to spend all this time with Reese. And then while I was playing with Reese, uh, he invited me to play on an album that he was recording. Uh, and while recording this album, I met um, what would turn to be my musical partner in Paris named Jean-Charles Versari. And, um, and so Jean-Charles was running the studio. And he and I became friends during the recording of this uh, Reese record. And then uh, you know, Jean-Charles, he's an old punk. Uh, he plays really scary, intense, heavy music that's very beautiful, but it's 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 out there. And uh, but I found out that he was also a folk fanatic. Um, like he loved just all this old stuff. And uh, and so I I told him that I'd written a bunch of material, and I was hearing some really kind of unusual drones and you know somewhat you know intense sounds behind them. And I said, how about you know you bring kind of that vibe to these folk songs, and maybe it'll work. So we started rehearsing, and after a few rehearsals, he just said, well, we're just going to record this record in my studio. Just we're starting now. Um, and so we worked on the record Abolition, uh, which, which is Sarah Band, Obsidian, these songs that you've been playing. Sure. We, re we recorded that in his studio in Paris. Um, whenever he had a free day, he would just call me and be like, come on over. Um, and uh, we played, practiced all the time and then um, started doing some great shows around Paris and around France. And uh, and, you know, the record came out uh in 2017 and that was that was a lot of fun um you know it, it did it did decently in france i wished it would have you know gone a bit beyond uh the french confines but i'm all right with it man a record coming out now and is is a triumph for me <laughs> okay uh, so i want to play so <laughs> you gave me a couple songs here i think it's related to this cat you met there and recorded with because it's sure got some fucking drums. They're both about floods. Well, that's that's actually afterwards.
Lot for Pedro Show, Lost Music for this edition. Adam H. with The Flood of 1997. Then we had Slang from Hokkaido. Amid the Raw Pain. Little tune. Close to the heart. And then finally, Adam H. The Flood of 2064. It hasn't come yet, but... Now, people, very dangerous when you assume you can make an ass out of you and me. My pop said that was not spelled by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this, even though he made a droney thing with this cat and they toured around and you helped Reese, these, these, these two, uh, I've been lightened to the fact that it's beyond that. Explain, please. So, so what happened was, I, I really, I really liked the sound that was coming from Abolition, and I thought, I thought I could push it further. Um, and I, I, I spent a while trying to figure out how to do it, uh, but I knew that there was something in those drones. There was something powerful in them, kind of lurking around. And so I started. I spent a, a couple of years, kind of, you know, thinking about it, listening to records. You know, I, I started listening to. Pauline Oliveros and some some composers who experimented with drones, and was listening to all sorts of drone music. And then, and then something happened where um, uh, uh, some of my friends, I, I started getting phone calls. Just uh, you know, so and so had OD'd uh, just from from Louisville. Uh, I started hearing all sorts of stories. I started hearing. You know, every month or so, something something terrible was coming out of Louisville, um, and some was either somebody I knew had you know had disappeared, or you know something bad had happened, and uh, I started to really, really think about it a lot and wonder what it meant. Um, and then uh, I, I read a I read an article by an author by an author named Patrick Radden Keefe about this family called the Sackler family. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and that, that all of a sudden, the lights went on in my head. I was just saying, this isn't personal problems, you know? This wasn't them making their own choices here. This is institutionalized violence against well, people. People making money, money. on it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I got really angry. Uh, and I started thinking, I was like, these are not isolated incidents, you know? Uh, it started to affect people all over. I started just hearing about stories everywhere about this, and I just kept getting angrier and angrier. And uh, and then I realized that that that's what I wanted to do with this next record uh, was I, I, I wanted to, in a better world, uh, take down the Sackler family with my music, um, which is... Uh, a lot to say in a sentence, but it was. No, come book. on, come on. Walt Whitman tried to stop the Civil War with his leaves of grass. I think it's okay, yeah. Adam. I'm, I think it's perfectly well, okay. Well, well I, I, so I got I got really upset about it, and and so I, I wrote. I started really thinking about how to how to do it. How could I do it? I had to make something, I you know, as intense as I could. And so I I, I had this really bizarre waltz, the flood of 1997. And so I started writing kind of a fictional account of what was going on in Louisville, just with these characters that I sort of imagined, you know, that were similar to the stories I was hearing. And then I was thinking, but for me to be able to sing about these stories, I don't want it to be some weepy folk piece, because that's just lame. I need it to be, 
I need to earn the right to speak about this. And the only way I thought I could do that was I'd have to drag the waltz through hell. Um, and I had to figure out how to make hell. And so I uh, had to really raise hell. Uh, and so I reached out to Kid Millions and I told him I needed him to destroy a waltz. And he said he could do it. And then I said, you play sometimes with Jim Sauter from Borbita Migas, uh, you know, the, the legendary jazz noise band from the 80s. I was like, he can destroy the waltz, too. And Kid said, yeah, let's try it. And so Jim said uh, he was on board. And then I reached out to Tim Dahl, who plays with Lydia, Lydia Lunch, Retrovirus, and Child Abuse, and a bunch of other bands. And I said I needed him to destroy a waltz with me. And he said, I'm down. Uh, so we recorded uh, this totally intense session, uh, and then everything kind of clicked. Uh, and so I tried to fuse this acoustic waltz in this D minor tuning that I love with free jazz and noise and tried to just essentially obliterate this waltz uh, so that it would give me the right to sort of speak these words about what happened in Louisville. And yeah. so this record... Well, you're making music very, very personal. I'm cutting you off here because I'm running out of time. I'm so sorry. But yeah, fine. This is a great fucking story because, you know, a real substance here behind this stuff. Where can people find you on the Internet, Adam? So it, you can find me streaming anywhere, like just Adam H. Abolition, Adam H. Uh, no, Glacier. but do you have an Adam Hawker website? Uh, AdamH.Weebly.com. Okay, uh, okay. And from I'm, there, I'm, you probably got all your other links, so people can. Yeah, it's all. I'm on Facebook. I'm on. You know, you can find. Yeah, but the corporate ones. But there is an Adam one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got to. Yeah, I got to say bye to you now. But you got something new plan? Are you doing something right in the meantime now? So finishing a record, but I want to say on that record floods, I'm giving away all whatever money comes to me, and I'm giving it away to recovery organizations. Oh, that's really beautiful. Beautiful. When, yeah. you, when you get this next record done, will you come yeah. back? Will you come on the show and we can talk about it? Oh, hell yeah. You won't yeah. have well, to talk about the piano in the old days or anything. I, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'll, I'll come on anytime, What? Okay, Adam. Beautiful having you aboard. People, it's been May 31, 2021 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>